Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Thursday afternoon, and here we go. It's the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. We have a great show planned for you today. Whether you're already retired or starting to plan early, Annex meets you where you're at. Find out later in the show. And if you're caring for both children and aging parents, you're part of the sandwich generation. It's tough duty, but it can be made easier with great planning. Deanne Phillips will show you how, and you might be doing your own investing, maybe some simple retirement calculations, and even have a simple will, but that isn't a complete plan. Brandon Lehman will join us how and what is and isn't in a financial plan. My name is Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, joined by our Chief Investment Officer, Derek Felsky. Hey, Derek. Hi. Good afternoon, Dave. So a lot of news this week for certain, and it's been that way for a couple of weeks now, but you know some of the big news that came out was the earnings reports and the Inflation Reduction Act, but by the way, doesn't do much for inflation. I think it's a bit of a misnomer. It was the Build Back Better legislation, and of course that got shot down when Senator Manchin wasn't going to go for it. Then it came back as Build Back Smaller. I don't think the Democrats wanted that, but they called it the Inflation Reduction Act, which really doesn't have a lot of inflation-reducing parts to it. Yeah, really, the only part that stood out to me was what they're doing, trying to negotiate uh, prescription drug prices. So that could put some downward pressure on drug prices. But but generally speaking, a much smaller bill than originally expected. There were some tax increases in yep. there, which no one seems to want to talk about. Right. Uh, but it is certainly something that came out of Washington. It's the first thing we've seen in, in several months out of Washington. Right. The five things I think that the buckets that you want to look at is there was this extension of the you know existing health insurance subsidies, and that goes through 2025. That was part of the bill. Number two, as you mentioned, there was these price controls placed on prescription drugs, and that starts in 2026. So that's a ways off. Uh, $300 billion of renewable energy spending. We saw renewable energy stocks really started to move. Some even doubled in the last uh, couple of weeks or so. And then as you said, Derek, there were tax increases of a 15% minimum corporate tax and a 1% buyback on uh, stock repurchases. And I, I don't think I like that part of the idea. Yeah, and that was one of the you know things that has been a major linchpin for the bull market is stock buybacks. We've seen any number of companies reduce their share count by 20% over the last five years, which has effectively uh, made the, their shares scarcer, which supported right. valuations. Yeah, that's right. So that's all part of it. So we watched that. Uh, we did see a number of parts, a number of areas, sectors that started to move because of that, but I also let off the show talking about uh, earnings season coming to an end, and it was really, uh, it was as expected. Earnings season was was better than uh, most had expected at the beginning. We, we've talked about it being better than feared. There were mixed results. There was some negative guidance out of the semiconductor sector, some negative guidance out of the retail sector, but generally speaking, companies did 
it beat estimates at roughly an 80% rate and grew revenues by over 10% on a year-on-year basis and earnings by about 8%. So better than expected by Wall Street at the beginning of, of earnings season. Yeah, and you know, and folks, see, you know, we talk about this a lot, and sometimes it seems uh, it seems like theater, but really at the end of the day, if you're running a farm or a manufacturing company and you talk about what you're doing, whatever your widget is that you're trying to sell, did you sell more stuff? That is what Wall Street likes to see, and that is the revenue line. And of course, did you manage your expenses? And that was hard because input costs have gone up, inflation putting a lot of pressure on companies, and then what is your net income? And that, of course, is how you put a multiple on, but multiples have been under compression really for about a year now. Right. Earnings have held up reasonably well. The S&P estimates for 2023 were about $252 about a month ago. They've come down some, down to about 246 And what's really masked the weakness in earnings has been the strength of the energy sector. Energy profits, they're gushing profits on the energy side. I mean, we, we, Saudi, Saudi Aramco, Chevron, Exxon, any number of companies produced incredible results. But we are starting to see a little bit of a slowing in, in earnings and also estimate revisions, which can have a negative effect on multiples. I mean, right now we've had a 20% rally off the lows in the NASDAQ, roughly 18% in the S&P, and earnings have basically stayed relatively flat. So the multiple, which was under 16 at the lows in June, is now back above 18, and it's really hard to see much in the way of multiple expansion when the Fed is in tightening mode. Yeah, that's a really great spot, and I do want to expand upon that conversation. But if you're just joining us, this is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. You can visit us at AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. And of course, Derek, I want to continue this conversation. We're talking to Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer here at Annex. My name is Dave Spano, but that is really the case of where do we go from here? What is the Fed going to do? And you know, they have a lot of data coming at them. And coming up right now is this Jackson Hole uh, get-together that happens every year, and we're going to be watching if there's any news coming out of that. Right. I mean, the Fed has, has continued to say that they are, they're they far from done in raising interest rates. We've seen the Fed funds rate go from basically zero to 2.5%. The market seems to believe that Fed funds rate may go as high as three and a quarter to three and a half, which would you would think put a little bit of downward pressure uh, on equities just from the sense of you know discounting future cash flows at a higher rate. Uh, but right now we're trying to decide, is this a bear market rally that we've seen or the beginning of a new bull market? And right. I think that, that we're going to have to, like the Fed, wait for more data. And so let's talk about that. So folks, when you go from peak to trough down 20%, that has been widely accepted as a bear market. So whatever, just to make the numbers easy, if you were at 5,000 in the S&P and you go down 20% or 1,000 points under 4,000, that would be a bear market. But as you pointed out, we have done from from trough to peak, at least in the NASDAQ, we have entered the area of more than 20% in the S&P 500, more than 17%. And really, where are we right now? And of course, the Fed is watching this as well, but they have to make a determination of what they're going to do. Are they going to continue to raise the rates that they expected? Will it be 75 basis points in September or 50? That is the talk from all the economists. Right. Right now, the uh, Atlanta Fed is actually projecting that third quarter GDP is going to come in at a positive 1.6%. So that would be the first positive uh, result we've seen this year. So it, it does seem likely, or at least probable, that perhaps the Fed will be able to engineer that soft landing that so many people are hoping for. But that doesn't necessarily mean stocks are going to go to the moon either, because in the in the midst of the Fed hiking rates, we also see earnings growth starting to slow. We see housing starts start to slow, and housing is a key linchpin for the economy. So we might just be muddling along through the rest of the summer, but historically, in a 
midterm election year, the markets do tend to rally into year end after the election. Yeah, and we're going to have to watch it because there's so much talk about the R word, the recession. And of course, you know, there was an argument of were we just in a recession back to back GDP quarters. And of course, that has been widely accepted. But most economists have argued that it's hard to do that, be in a recession when employment is so strong. And if, you know, just anecdotal evidence, if you go to a restaurant, it's hard to get in. If you're going to places where people are spending money, they're out there spending. It's certainly a bifurcation of those people who are being hit hard by the economic conditions and those who are not. But the conversation is with an inverted yield curve, Derek, you know, will we have a global recession perhaps next year? Well, our thinking as an investment committee is that the the challenges that they face overseas are much greater than what we face here. For example, in the UK, inflation this year is likely to be 13%. Their electricity costs are off the charts. We don't know how Putin's going to handle natural gas during the winter. Germany is a major importer of natural gas from Russia. What are they going to do if Putin decides to play politics with natural gas? So that's, that's a wild card. So when we we think about our portfolios, we view the U.S. as more of an oasis than not. And that's one of the reasons I believe the dollar has been persistently strong, that investors overseas like the relative safety of the United States. Yep, for sure. And you know, maybe it won't be a V recovery. And that's the type of things that you have to think about. You know, if, if this makes sense to you, you can join us at AnnexWealth.com and hit the Get Started button, and we'll help you through this. It's for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning from a fee-only fiduciary. And folks, that is important. When should you come and see us at Annex Wealth Management? Anytime, really. We'll meet you exactly where you're at. That's next. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Know the difference and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisor say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We took a call recently on a radio show, and the caller was a couple of years away from retirement. And he asked an interesting question. Basically, it was, so when should I get in and talk with you guys? If I remember correctly, he was like 62, something like that. Right, Mark Beck? Yeah, that was a good call. And I remember my answer there was, you should be starting to build this relationship as soon as you're ready. And what do I mean by ready? When you're ready for advice. And I think that's important. So wherever you are, when you get to that spot where you're thinking about, should I be getting some advice? That is the spot to be starting. Mark Beck is Managing Director of Wealth Management Services, Annex Wealth Management. When I heard that, I thought about where he was on the path and how we'd have a different planning process with him than, say, somebody in their 30s or 40s or maybe somebody in their 70s. And that is custom and comprehensive wealth management and planning, right? It certainly is. Other people would answer that you should start as early as possible. And I think the problem with that answer is some people aren't ready. So when you're younger, maybe you're not thinking about it big picture. You should be starting to save, but maybe you're not ready for advice. So across that spectrum, though, planning can look different. At Annex Wealth Management, we'll meet you where you're at, and it's different for everybody. Mark, let's say somebody engages Annex Wealth Management in their 30s or 40s. What is our process with them? So 30s and 40s, what we're looking for here is starting to establish habits and targets. So it's a little bit harder to talk to somebody that's, you know, 40 years old and say, okay, pin down exactly when you're going to retire and exactly what you need for living expenses, because they're thinking all of these things are going to change so much between now and maybe when I'm 65 years old. But what we can do is back into that and say, here's what you're on track for right now. And if you want the target to look a little bit different, then we need to make some adjustments. So effective use of resources, establish great savings habits, make sure that we're investing well, make sure that you know what you're on track to accomplish over time, 
and think about big picture goals. That's kind of where you want to be in your 30s and 40s. Okay, next step, somebody's in their 50s. They've been working longer. Their kids might be in college. Retirement is looming in the distance, but not so far away. You know, 50s is where we start to think about what's next. What are the things I've been missing or what can I do that's beyond the basics I have been accomplishing? So we might have a little bit more income. We might be moving beyond just max funding 401ks, for example, and start to build some additional investment savings elsewhere. You know, you're probably executing on college strategies at this point and getting people kind of through that and making sure that the family is, you know, successful and financially secure and in those kinds of things. So now those targets are becoming a little bit more tangible, but again, we're building a little more sophistication into how we're building the nesting. Then let's get to that caller who was just a couple of years away from retirement. Somebody comes to us at that point in their life. How is it different or what are we working on with them? It starts to feel like it's all coming together at this point. So now we're building sort of the transition plan. Okay, so I'm a couple of years from retirement. Where's my income going to come from? What do I need to do to prepare? What are some of the decision-making points I'm going to need to hit? And how do I get ready for those kinds of things? Are there different sequences of events that I can put together that are going to you know, benefit me, that are going to help move the needle in my favor? And that's everything from which accounts I'm going to count on first to the tax planning ramifications of that to preparing for health insurance and where it comes from. And of course, to preparing for things like making good social security decisions. Mark Beck is Managing Director of Wealth Management Services at Annex Wealth Management. We meet our clients where they're at. And I know we work with new clients who are already retired. What happens when that happens? And there's maybe an existing plan from somewhere else or maybe because of poor service or lack of connection, they come to us or maybe not a plan at all. Oftentimes not a plan at all. We do see that. Uh, You know, it has happened occasionally where someone has been getting some financial planning advice. They're looking for something a little bit deeper or more engaging than sort of the superficial level that maybe they've been experiencing. It's easy for us when you've got your current financial plan because all the data, Mm. the inputs basically are right there. So that's sort of the raw materials we can take that and really start to work with it. But moving the needle in terms of doing the math in this type of situation, you're already retired. Are you really thinking about planning ahead for, you know, the tax ramifications of required distributions, you know, the charitable aspect of things like qualified charitable distributions? You know, all of that really becomes, you know, so important in that phase. And if you're already retired, folks, don't think it's too late at all. We want to see you. Oh, absolutely. And even in those retirement years, there are so many really cool things that we help people with that are impactful. And that's beyond just, by the way, managing the investment portfolio. A big part of what we do, steer, manage, and help people towards best outcome, which means help manage your kind of psychology of investing. How do we do that? Build the framework around it well in advance of market volatility. So protect liquidity, for example. Where's the short-term money come from? Build the income buckets. Make sure you stay focused on the growth where the growth needs to be. And therefore, no anxiety around market volatility. My dad came to Annex in his 80s. He had moved back to be near my sister and I, and I felt it was important he have a fiduciary working on his stuff. That isn't uncommon either. No, it's not. And actually, that one, I would say, is becoming more and more common. Oftentimes, by the way, this is clients that you know are in those retirement years, and now they're bringing their parents, and they're saying, hey, can you help? This is a really satisfying area for me in particular to work. A couple of reasons. Number one, 
because they're working with a fiduciary, we can really help them kind of stay out of harm's way. This is where there is the possibility of making really bad mistakes or being taken advantage of. You don't want that to happen. And number two, the peace of mind that comes with somebody helping them consolidate, clean up, organize, know what's going on, know where things are headed, and therefore being prepared for the transitions that are going to come at some point in our lives. We want to meet you where you're at for investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button and start the wealth metric process. Mark Beck, Managing Director, Wealth Management Services. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. I'm Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, along with Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Another great segment, of course, Derek, you and I were talking off air just a moment ago about what the earnings uh, look like and what the analysts are saying. Right. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you know, estimates have started to revise lower. The, the other thing is, you know, when we talk about the Fed and hiking rates, that's only one part of what they're doing. The other thing they're doing, trying to do is reduce their size of their balance balance sheet. And that is starting to begin in earnest in September. And that can have a negative effect on, on liquidity. You know, you said something to me earlier this week. You said, you know, we talked about quantitative easing or all of this money that gets injected into the economy that was good for stocks. But now we have quantitative tightening. So what does that mean? Well, I actually hear some of these pundits try to argue that quantitative tightening will have no impact. Well, they, they thought it was a positive. So it would, you'd think it would be a negative. So basically, we've loved this rally. There's a, a FOMO element to it, fear, fear of missing, missing out. Out because, right. uh, as we mentioned on this show a couple of weeks ago, investors were way under position to stocks. They had high levels of cash, a low allocation to equities, and I think what we're seeing now is people trying to chase performance in order to get back to, to even for the year. But basically, if you believe the market's going to go higher from here, you have to believe two things: there aren't going to be major declines in earnings in 2023, and that the, you're willing to pay more than 18 times forward estimates, which is only viable in times of really low inflation and an accommodative Fed. Neither of which we currently have. Right. So we're not trying to be too negative. We're just saying that you have to uh, navigate your way through all of this data and make sure that you're positioned in the right way. And no one's saying that you need to sell everything and go to cash, but you certainly need to use all of the investment tools that are out there, which is asset allocation and when to go in and how to go in. These are tools that we use on a daily basis. Right. And so if you if you own a couple of stocks in your portfolio that are frustrating you, that aren't performing particularly well, and where you saw they had negative guidance in the most recent quarter, maybe it cut them loose. And then you position yourself to buy names you have more conviction in on weakness or at current levels. And that's the way you upgrade a portfolio. You don't you don't win by sitting and holding everything. You, you win by sitting and holding the, the stocks that are most likely to outperform going forward. And it's not just stocks, of course, because when you have a 60-40 portfolio or 70-30, a percentage of that is fixed income or at least non-stock related. And there's international stocks as well. And you have to look around the world of what's happening. You know, of course, you have to look at what's happening with China and Taiwan. You have to look at, as you as you referenced earlier in the show, what's happening with Europe. All of this goes into the soup. And that's the reason why you should take a look at your portfolio and know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And of course, using a fee-only fiduciary is so important because a lot of times I've heard folks, people start to call themselves fiduciaries, but that is a name only, if you will, because uh, it's when is their hat on as a fiduciary and when is it on as a salesperson. This all is part of the conversation. But for investment and retirement planning, 
tax planning, and estate planning. Find a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. AnnexWealth.com. You can click the Get Started button and start with the wealth metric process. Still to come, we have to talk about the sandwich generation. Of course, that is between having uh, young people that you're taking care of and elderly people as well. Also, Ask Annex is on the way. We're going to break for the news. 30 minutes down, 30 minutes to go. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. Know the difference and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisor say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference in a segment addressing the sandwich generation. Deanne Phillips sees it a lot. Welcome back, Deanne. Hi, Danny. So as Director of Client Learning and Development, you're a CFP, CDFA, a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. You work with a wide variety of clients and you see it. The sandwich generation can be a tough spot. And we're talking about basically an estimated $9 million sandwich generation caregivers having to care for generations on either side. So you see both. Yeah. So it sounds delicious, but let's define that. What it really means is you've got people usually in their 40s or 50s that are taking care of maybe older parents and sometimes grandparents and either kids or grandkids. So you can have a multi-layer deck sandwich in there, Danny, and you've got people that are trying to juggle their own families and jobs and their own finances and assisting family members. I know you did. You had to go through this. That I is mean, true. You, you've got a teenager and you had an aging mom and an aging aunt. So you we're doing this. That is that is very true and running back and forth and you know there's the juggle of you've got, you've got work and you have to have an understanding workplace. It depends upon your career. A lot of this happens to women tend to be the primary caretakers and it happens at that prime apex of your career as well, usually, unfortunately. You know, you say primary caretakers, but that doesn't mean full-time caregivers, like somebody employed at a care facility. This is running back and forth, oh, getting getting meds, get, talking with, with doctors. The sandwich generation caregivers are balancing full-time as well, and it's got to impact both sides. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. New statistics show that a third of those caregivers live in the same house as their parent, or their parent lives with them, and they need to have backup and help for that parent while they're out either taking care of their own family or working. You know, that's kind of the European way, right? Gen- yeah. Generations are under one roof. Sure. And the other thing is, is that people are having children sometimes later in life. That's kind of pushing things down the track. So you've got kids as your parents are definitely getting into that age when they really are starting to fail. That is very true. And failing in maybe a different way. It might not be uh, physically failing, could be mentally. So about 25% of dementia caregivers are also caring for children under the age of 18. Now that's a tough thing. You know, let's translate that into what we do here at Annex and what we see as planners and I see as a CFP all the time where people come and they sit in front of me and say, all right, (laughs) I've lived this or I've seen this. How can I not be a burden on my own children? Mm. And that's a really great question. So how can I save? How can I plan for myself? This is really, Danny, where financial planning is so incredibly valuable. You know, at Annex, we look in terms of wealth management. We talk about that's really the holistic look at everything. It's all your financial resources your income, social security, pensions. We look at all the outflows, our needs like housing, food, fuel, and our wants, right? Important. Uh, The travel, the fun money, you know, that we want to do, the entertainment that's in retirement. We plug all that into the financial plan, offset it for inflation, and look at projections of where the assets will go in 10, 20, 30 years. But here's the important thing. Then we stress test that financial plan. Mm. So we say, all right, we'd all like to live happily 
happily and healthily until we're 91 and then, you know, that go in our sleep, right? But we have to actually layer in some reality here that what if, if you're a couple, one of you or both of you were hit with a long-term care need or a premature death? What does that do to the surviving spouse? How does that uh, deal with the finances in the plan? So it's really important to stress test that. Sure, because you can chug along. And in my dad's case, I mean, he went well into his mid-80s. It was just those last couple of years when all of a sudden, and he had planned. He was a client. He had planned. And so we knew that if his care cost X, that could be taken care of. And that was that was huge. It is huge. But, you know, I also want to bring up that the care can run the other way also. So we're, we've been talking about aging parents, but there's an awful lot of millennials that are choosing to go back home mm. in between okay. school or before their career or in between their career. And that can have and put a burden on people that are just pre-retirement as well. So, uh, and, and especially, it can stress family finances, but we see even more than the finances, the psychological stress. Because parents are sometimes afraid to lay down the law with their adult children and say, all right, let's have some expectations. Let's let's see where they're going to kick in in terms of chores or sharing financially and responsibility around the home. So what we advocate, whether it's uh, looking down at the sandwich or up at the sandwich, right, are family meetings. Really understand before something, I don't want to say disaster, before a situation strikes, right? Because before your hand is really forced and you need to yeah. make very quick, very rapid decisions, decisions that you might want a little bit more time to take. Absolutely. So let's talk about parents for a moment. You know, talk to your parents about their assets. Ask them about how they want to live as they age. Maybe they're not comfortable seeing how much money they have. That's fine. But they should be able to share with you, have they done their estate plan? You know, who should make the medical and financial decisions for them if they can't handle their own affairs? Are all the legal docs in place before they're needed, that health care, POA, financial power of attorney, the HIPAA agreements and the wills? And, you know, speaking of HIPAA and health care. Those adult children need that, too, because once they're over the age of consent, the uh, health care facilities don't need to contact parents. It takes planning. It takes a pro like Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only fiduciary. Dean Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, a CFP and a CDFA, and a veteran of a sandwich generation situation. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. In the middle there. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Time for Ask Annex. Got a question? You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. We get back to everybody, and some of them wind up on the radio. But first, let me introduce everybody. Sarah Kyle is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back to Ask Annex. Hi, Danny. And we got a ringer. Mike Venturini is also a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Hey, hi, Danny. Now, you are here because Mike, who sent the question in, he's a client of Annex Wealth Management, and you work with him. That's right. Here is Mike's question. My question involves SSI and COLA increases. I've heard many explanations about COLA increases for people already collecting SSI payments. My twist is, how do annual COLA SSI increases impact my yet-to-be-claimed future SSI estimates? Will this update my estimated SSI payout when running a report on the SSI website? When would this change be reflected every year? Mike, there is a lot to unpack there. There is. And just to let you know, COLA is cost of living adjustment. That does increase your Social Security benefit by approximately the product of the COLA and the benefit amount. So the exact computation is a little more complex. Each Social Security benefit is based on primary insurance amount or PIA, you might hear it called FRA, which is the full retirement age benefit. The PIA in turn is directly related to the primary beneficiary's earnings through a benefit formula. So that's what you earn throughout your life. 
it is a PIA that is increased by the COLA. Just to give you an example, if the initial PIA is $2,000 and is increased by 5.9%, which it was this year, the new PIA would be $2,118. So that will be adjusted by early or delayed retirement, which affects your amount, benefit amount. If you choose to retire before your normal retirement age, your benefit will be lower than your PIA. On the other hand, if you choose to retire after you attain your normal retirement age, your benefit will be higher than your PIA. The a factor is applied to the PIA to account for that early or delayed retirement. And as we all know, Medicare premiums are subtracted from that benefit. So it's a really good area to go is the ssa.gov, and you can create your own account there and get what your benefit will be at any age. You know, Social Security is humble and lovable, but it can be really complex at times. It can be complex. The website is terrific to go to and learn a little bit more. Right. And this is something we do for clients all the time. Now, Mike sent this question in, but I'm sure you deal with this stuff all the time. Every meeting or closer to retirement, we talk about it every time. That's one of the things that Annex Wealth Management does. Thank you, Mike Venturini. Thank you. Okay, Sarah Kyle, got a bunch for you. And our first one is anonymous. And yeah, by the way, if you don't want us to use your name on the radio, that is fine with us. Here's our first anonymous question. I'm confident the market will come back, but I'm also wondering if this is a time for tax loss harvesting. Is there a formula to follow to see if it makes sense? Could you just really briefly explain what tax loss harvesting is. Sure. And um, there really isn't a formula for tax loss harvesting. In general, you harvest losses and investments to offset the capital gains that you have realized so far for that year. So it's up to you how much you want to offset. The key is to replace the stock you sold with a similar but different stock. So your asset allocation remains the same. For example, if you sold Coke, you might want to buy Pepsi sell McDonald's, you might want to buy Chipotle. So you're staying in the same sector. And I would suggest you don't wait till the end of the year when everybody else is thinking of doing the same thing. They just talked to their accountant. They need to offset some gains and then selling the same stocks that have underperformed that year. Think of it kind of as buying snow skis in the summer. You don't want to buy when everybody's buying them in the winter. You might get them off a little bit more on sale in the summer. Next up on Ask Annex is from James. How many funds are too many in a typical portfolio? I have 12. That seems high. Well, there's no fixed set of ideal number of funds an investor can hold in their portfolio. It depends on the investment objective and risk appetite for every investor. Every fund has its role in the portfolio. But as a rule of thumb, you should not have more than two funds with the same theme or market cap. For example, don't buy four large cap funds and four mid cap funds and four small cap funds. That's not diversification. Remember that you have to keep up to date on all the funds you own and you really need to know what they are investing in. Make sure you're keeping up to date on the fund manager. Portfolio managers leave all the time. Check the Morningstar ratings, one being the best, 99 being the worst. And also look at the expense ratios. And make sure that the fund is truly investing in its category. I've seen plenty of mutual funds claim that they're mid-cap funds, and the top holdings are large-cap, Microsoft, Google, Apple, Amazon. You think you own a mid-cap, in reality, you're really slanted towards large-cap. Ask Annex, got a question for us. You head to our website, look for the Ask tab. Next up is from Frank, which makes more sense during current conditions, I-bonds or TIPS? Well, that all depends on your personal objective and liquidity needs. Both are nice products to have during high inflation. They both protect principal and purchasing power. You can sell TIPS at any time you want, but you can't sell I-bonds for at least a year after purchase. TIPS can be bought for various terms, but I-bonds earn interest for 30 years. Next up is Anonymous. 
My father-in-law is urging me to park my investments in a fund of funds. Any opinion? Let's explain a fund of funds. Well, a fund of fund is a fund that owns a group of funds. It's a basket of funds. So, for example, the target date fund. A lot of people have that in their 401ks. So when they start working and they're going to retire in 20 years, they would invest in the target 42 fund. So, and that starts out aggressive and it gets less aggressive as you get close to retirement. So they're the ideal situation for the novice investor that doesn't have a lot of experience in investing. So they can achieve multiple investment goals through one single investment. However, they can have high fees and lack of transparency. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management on Ask Annex. Thank you. You're welcome. Folks, got a question for us? Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. If we can help with investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, click that Get Started button. Again, the website, AnnexWealth.com. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on WHBY. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, Brandon Lehman, CFP, Wealth Manager and Director of Branch Development. Welcome back. Danny. Part of the process of working with Annex Wealth Management is our complimentary portfolio review. We do insurance analysis for our clients. We have Wealthmetric, a great look at what's next for our clients. Tax planning is part of our service to our clients. Estate planning is also part. But Brandon, none of those things is financial planning. Why not? Well, it's really because if you're just looking at each of those individually, you're looking at it in a vacuum, right? So how does each impact one another? Prime example, for instance, is insurance. I'm picking on insurance because when you look at it, just stand alone, it might make sense or it might not. You might have had a recommendation to do X, but do they know about everything else? That's where you really need to take and start tying it all in together. If you think about it, all of them are important by themselves, but when you tie it in together, it's what's important to you. Not just important as a topic, but important to you. You find that most people as they age, they probably get insurance first. Maybe they're investing a little bit. You have insurance even in your 20s, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, let's be honest. I have a, I have term. I have a family. I have a mortgage. There's things that you have to cover. So we, we all start there, but then you have to think about how that impacts everything else as well. That's one piece. Let's talk about another piece, which is investment planning. So investment planning, you know, we're all taught at an early age, you know, put it in the 401k, save, but how are you doing that? Is it the most effective? Is it the most efficient way? I look at, you know, are you getting the full match? Are you at least getting the full match? Are you putting enough to get that? Are you maxing out? What percentage goes into Roth 401k versus traditional 401k if you have that? But you don't know the answer to that unless you dive into the rest of the stuff that we're talking about today. You know what? And I called it investment planning earlier. That's not investment planning. That is just plain old investing. Correct. Correct. You're, you're actually not planning for much except save and retire. But you have to tie it all in, and all of it goes on all the different other parts that exist. We're with Brandon Lehman, CFP, Wealth Manager and Director of Branch Development. We're talking about a financial plan only being as good as the sum of its parts, unbalanced, it's unproductive. How about tax planning? So that dives back into what we just mentioned when you talk investments. Well, it's investment planning, but what are you doing? Is it impacting your tax plan? Do you even know? Have you looked at it? That's the question where you have to tie it all back. Again, in silos, yes, it's good to review, but how does it impact? The biggest question that we probably get from folks, when you think about the accumulators, the younger accumulators especially, maybe 30 to 50 is, should I do pre-tax 401k or Roth 401k? And that's about it. 
And, yeah. and that's the question. Right. And, and my answer is, I don't know. And, and they look at me kind of, well, what do you mean you don't know? Well, it, it depends. And then it, it depends because what is your situation? If we're just looking at it in a vacuum, well, sure, do one of them. But how does the tax plan fit? And that's where tax planning is so important. But again, if you're letting the tax tail wag the dog, now you've gotten away from the rest of the planning you're trying to get done. Yeah. And then the nitty gritty, which is retirement planning. And that's really where you start to need these things. But I'm sure that we've got some people that come into Annex Wealth Management and they've done the investing and they've got an insurance policy and maybe they've got a will and but it's still not a retirement plan. No, it's not. And in, in a plan is a holistic approach to everything you have going on. It's tying in all of these different components. So the components of the tax, the components of the investments, the components of the insurance, and then the estate. You know, estate is something that most people kind of gloss over because, hey, I did that. But your life has changed over the course of maybe 20 years. My life has changed since the last time I did mine. I haven't done mine in a few years. And now we have three kids. So it's it's important to sit down and review. But when you look at the retirement plan, how does it all fit in? Because Retirement planning is a broad category, but you as an individual household need to have one specific to you and yours is different. For sure, it's going to be different than anybody else you talk to because everybody's situation is different. We recently talked about the value of an advisor and an advisor like Annex Wealth Management really ties all this stuff together because somebody comes in and they've got you know an armful of statements and maybe a, an old will that they've got and all this stuff, it needs to get sewn up. Correct. I think that's one of the things I enjoy the most about when we start a relationship with somebody at Annex is it's gathering all those pieces and then finding things and saying, hey, do you remember this? Have you thought about this? And they go, wow, I haven't looked at that in years. A great thing we just went through was an insurance review again with somebody and they go, you know what? I'm not even sure if we still have that. And then they look and they go, oh, wow, it actually is still being drawn from our bank account. Um, but it was a small amount. It, it just it was something where they had seen it, they remembered it. But as we took a deep dive and started going down all these, you could call them rabbit holes, mm-hmm. but that lead to one true plan at the end and say, this is what you need to do based on our recommendations and what we see as a team at Annex. I think a lot of people would say, I'm just really too busy. It's not a good time. You can't be too busy. And it is the time. It's always the time. Um, we have a picture in our hallway that talks about, you know, what's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago or today? You know, you got to start somewhere. And I look at that as there's no time like the present, because if you wait, things can change that you might not have been able to plan for, particularly uh, maybe a layoff, maybe a change in lifestyle, maybe a health issue. So if you can't plan for all that, but you can at least put it together and start discussing it. Put it together, all of it. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. It's a fee-only fiduciary. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Brandon Lehman, CFP, Wealth Manager and Director of Branch Development. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Danny. Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. I'm Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, along with Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Another great segment, of course, Derek, you and I were talking off air just a moment ago about what the earnings uh, look like and what the analysts are saying. Right. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you know, estimates have started to revise lower. The, the other thing is, you know, when we talk about the Fed and hiking rates, that's only one part of what they're doing. The other right. thing they're doing, trying to do is reduce their size of their balance 
balance sheet. And that is starting to begin in earnest in September. And that can have a negative effect on, on liquidity. You know, you said something to me earlier this week. You said, you know, we talked about quantitative easing or all of this money that gets injected into the economy. That was good for stocks. But now we have quantitative tightening. So what does that mean? Well, I actually hear some of these pundits try to argue that quantitative tightening will have no impact. Well, they, they thought it was a positive, so it would, you'd think it would be a negative. So basically, we've loved this rally. There's a, a FOMO element to it, fear, fear of missing, missing out. Because right? uh, as we mentioned on this show a couple of weeks ago, investors were way under position to stocks. They had high levels of cash, a low allocation to equities. And I think what we're seeing now is people trying to chase performance in order to get back to, to even for the year. But basically, if you believe the market's going to go higher from here, you have to believe two things. There aren't going to be major declines in earnings in 2023, and that the, you're willing to pay more than 18 times forward estimates, which is only viable in times of really low inflation and an accommodative Fed, neither of which we currently have. Right. So we're not trying to be too negative. We're just saying that you have to uh, navigate your way through all of this data and make sure that you're positioned in the right way. And no one's saying that you need to sell everything and go to cash, but you certainly need to use all of the investment tools that are out there, which is asset allocation and when to go in and how to go in. These are tools that we use on a daily basis. Right. And so if you if you own a couple of stocks in your portfolio that are frustrating you, that aren't performing particularly well, and where you saw they had negative guidance in the most recent quarter, maybe it cut them loose. And then you position yourself to buy names you have more conviction in on weakness or at current levels. And that's the way you upgrade a portfolio. You don't you don't win by sitting and holding everything. You, you win by sitting and holding the, the stocks that are most likely to outperform going forward. And it's not just stocks, of course, because when you have a 60-40 portfolio or 70-30, a percentage of that is fixed income or at least non-stock related. And there's international stocks as well. And you have to look around the world of what's happening. You know, of course, you have to look at what's happening with China and Taiwan. You have to look at, as you have as you referenced earlier in the show, what's happening with Europe, all of this goes into the soup. And that's the reason why you should take a look at your portfolio and know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And of course, using a fee-only fiduciary is so important because a lot of times I've heard folks, people start to call themselves fiduciaries, but that is a name only, if you will, because uh, it's when is their hat on as a fiduciary and when is it on as a salesperson. This all is part of the conversation. But for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, find a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. AnnexWealth.com. You can click the Get Started button and start with the wealth metric process. Still to come, we have to talk about the sandwich generation. Of course, that is between having uh, young people that you're taking care of and elderly people as well. Also, Ask Annex is on the way. We're going to break for the news. 30 minutes down, 30 minutes to go. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on WHBY. 